From Korea, I'm Amira Jiwa. And I'm Duncan Griffiths Nakanishi. And welcome to Korea's Workshop Podcast. Every two weeks, Workshop breaks down one essential business topic and explains how it could be useful for you. Our goal is to get you just the right amount of info to help you apply what we're talking about to what you're working on. I'll be speaking to experts with practical tips and founders with relevant experience. And I'll be explaining essential terms and summarizing the key takeaways at the end of the show. Today, we're covering a classic leadership topic that a lot of founders struggle with, delegation. We all know it's good in theory, but it can be hard to do effectively in practice. Like all the topics we cover on this show, getting it right is important to your business's success. Sometimes these things take time, but trust that people can probably do the job better than you if you've hired them right. (laughs) If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I was like, there's definitely a limit to how much I can do on my own. First up, we spoke to a serious expert on the subject. Deborah Grayson Regal is a keynote speaker and consultant specializing in leadership and management communication. Her clients include Amazon and the US Army, and she teaches at Wharton, Columbia Business School, and even Peking University. Deborah, what are some of the key benefits of delegating? Why should leaders, you know, focus on getting this right? When you think about what delegation does, if you're the leader, it increases your efficiency and it also increases the team's impact. It gives you and your team a much bigger range of skills and impact and competency. It gives you and your team emergency backup, right? If you're the last thing you want to be is indispensable. As much as we think we all want to be indispensable, if you're indispensable, you can't ever get promoted because they need you to do the thing that you're doing, right? So it gives you emergency backup. It allows the team to get more connected with each other. When done well, it improves communication. It helps the team be collaborative and strategic. It also balances workloads. It empowers people and it helps you retain talent, especially when you are demonstrating trust in others. And with all these clear benefits that you've outlined, why do leaders still often struggle to delegate? So when it comes to delegating, there's a lot of self-talk that needs to happen in order for somebody to move forward with delegation. So here's what some of the leaders that I coach say to themselves. I don't have enough time to delegate. I need to be in charge of this for a variety of reasons. A very common one, nobody will do it like I will do it. What if it gets done well and I don't get the credit for it? Or, but I like doing this, and if I give it to somebody else, maybe I won't get to do the work I like. They also think to themselves, what if I'm not needed anymore? So it interferes with their sense of meaning and status and importance. So there's a whole bunch of stories that people are making up about delegation, which are interpretations based on a lack of enough concrete information. And I think those are the first conversations we need to recognize we're having. Those are invisible and we need to make them visible. And how can leaders overcome some of those negative emotions? Yeah, so I like to bring in a strategy from a woman named Dr. Susan David, who's the author of a book, I think it's called Emotional Agility. She talks about that every time we have a negative emotion, we should ask ourselves, what the funk? Uh, And hopefully you heard that N sound in there, right? And so the question is, what is the function of this emotion, right? So if I am feeling concerned, reluctant, resistant, let me assume that that feeling is pointing me towards something that feels important, right? So if I'm feeling reluctant to give it to somebody, maybe it reminds me that my status feels really important to me or that I really care about the quality of my work or that my client relationships 
feels of utmost importance to me. So I invite people who are really facing a barrier, a psychological barrier to delegating, to examine what they're actually more committed to, status, popularity, a perception of being important, than to delegating, and then to run some short-term experiments to see if you can still feel important or popular while you're delegating as well. So a leader has confronted their psychological barriers and is ready to delegate. How can they do it well? So number one is decide exactly what you're going to delegate and why. Number two is pick the right person and explain to them why you're delegating to them and use it as an opportunity to give them some positive feedback or let them know that you're looking to grow their skills and their career, that delegating to them isn't a punishment. Number three is clarify the responsibility that you're giving them, right? So what parts of this can they do? What parts of this are they not going to do? Clarify their level of responsibility they have. Number four is be very clear about what success looks like. What are we looking to accomplish so that you have a shared picture of results or success? Number five, agree on that person's level of authority. Make some agreements about checkpoints, milestones, and feedback. Create a motivating environment. So whether it's access to resources or teaching or training on a new skill or cheerleading or quick wins, figure out what this person needs and try to reduce barriers to their motivation. And then finally, just get out of the way until you're needed, right? Don't hover, don't keep checking in, just wanna keep checking in, just wanna keep checking in because one of the goals of effective delegation is to increase trust Hovering, as my children will tell you, decreases trust. It does not increase anything. So there you have it, a step-by-step guide to delegating from the expert. But we know actually implementing this kind of thing can be tricky. So we also spoke to a couple of small business founders about their relationship to delegation and what they've learned about how to do it right. Here's Elsie Rutterford, co-founder of Bybee. Bybee's a natural, sustainable skincare brand based in London. When Bybee started three years ago, it was just Elsie and her co-founder running it all for a while. But their team has since grown to 10, and they've actually just brought on their first major senior hire, a managing director. Elsie, what has your experience with delegation been? It has been really tough, and we're still, neither of us are totally comfortable with it even now, because we've always been in the weeds of the business, and that shouldn't be the founder's role, and we're very, very aware of that, hence starting to hire in people like a managing director. And why do you think that is? I think our struggle has been that in order to effectively delegate as a founder, you have to have like full trust in the team that you've built. And I think we have perhaps not spent enough time or bought in enough resource when it comes to recruitment and the recruitment process and really, really testing people to kind of really understand that they've got the skills that we think they have. But it's not easy because it's your baby. It literally feels like a child and it is like handing your child to someone. And if you have done bits of the role before, so, you know, because we've been in the weeds of things, you know, I was doing our social media and Don was running our warehouse. Like we've done most of the role, most of what our team are doing before. And there's always a sense of like, oh, maybe I could just do it faster and better myself kind of thing. How have you, you know, started to get over some of those fears that you outlined? Upon reflection, we've kind of really identified 
how we can improve and the hires that we're making now and the kind of training that we're giving the team now is all set up to be able to allow us to have a structure where we can kind of really comfortably delegate. So it's kind of getting over that hurdle and really trusting that you've hired in the right people to do it and they've got the right kind of support around them to be able to do the job not only as good as you could but better. And do you have any tips that you can offer to other leaders or founders looking to delegate more effectively? So we've now learned that the process of of delegating is really important. So we'll say, this is the task that we want to hand over, or this is the bit of the business that we want to hand over. But throughout that time, we'd like to see, you know, X, Y, Z updates. We'd like to see the finished project here. The delegation is one thing of the actual execution. Like, I don't want to complete this task, so I'm going to delegate it to somebody else. But what that person needs to really understand is your expectations on the touch points throughout that task. And when you expect to see updates or the final finished project, or it doesn't even need to, it doesn't even need any sign off at the end of it, and how much kind of contact you want in that process. And I think, you know, one thing that we found kind of delegating some of the slightly higher level stuff or the stuff that we've been really responsible for over the years is we still want some visibility on it. So we're handing it over and we're not executing it, but the team is still small and we're still involved, very much involved day to day. So for our own peace of mind, we would still just like a CC on that email just to know that it's happening and it's moving forward. And then we'd probably like to sign it off in two weeks time when the project looks like X or whatever. And I think you have to drive managing those expectations with the people that are taking on the task. Now, here's Calvin Benton, the founder of Spill, a Slack app that lets employees easily book in sessions with a qualified therapist. Calvin has a background as a solo maker, but he's now managing a small team of employees. Calvin, what has your experience with delegation been? I guess like I started out just kind of like building products that I really thought should exist. And I did this on my own. I was like technical, so I could kind of like cover a lot of stuff myself. What that meant was that I got kind of like quite used to working on my own and just kind of like shipping everything that needed to be shipped from like brand and marketing, like product development, all the way through to kind of like actually coding the thing. But I think I have definitely kept some of those like probably bad tendencies from like my like maker days when I was just like building stuff on my own. I think I found it like super tricky to delegate, especially when you you can physically do everything. It's like been really hard to delegate things. And what do you think is at the root of your issue with delegation? As like a founder of a company, you are trapped a little bit because you can do everything and you probably think you can do it better than most people because you like know all of the context for situations. I think that there's often a cost to get to delegating, right? There's kind of like the cost of having to kind of like explain the situation, kind of explain explicitly like what you want to happen. I think you kind of in your brain, you probably do like a cost benefit analysis. It's like, okay, is this going to be like worth me explaining this kind of like maybe having to do a few passes to get like exactly how I want it to be versus like me just doing it. The cost of doing it versus the benefit, like it's a tricky trade off. I think I've definitely seen as like spill has grown and as like I've been forced to kind of like do work that like other people can't do, then that like cost benefit trade off has slightly like tipped a little bit. So it's like, you know, like me doing this is time that I could have that could spend doing work that other people can't do. Any tips you've got for delegating effectively? What I've learned over time is I guess it's just like super important to do it earlier rather than later. And I say that because like as a project progresses, like the opportunity cost I was talking about, like the cost of delegating to something and like filling in all that context gets bigger. So like if you include people earlier in the process, then it's much easier for them to like to then delegate that task later on. That's great. Any final thoughts on the subject? 
I don't know. I think it's a real challenge because a lot of the skills that get you by when you're like creating an early stage business, like a lot of those kind of like core building skills, you know, you get to like 10 people and you've kind of got to give them all up. That's like a real challenge because like what made you successful going from like one to 10 people isn't necessarily going to mean or like literally won't help you when you're kind of like going from 10 to 20. Thanks so much to Deborah, Elsie and Calvin for their valuable advice. The Courier Guide to Delegating is available online at MailChimp.com slash Courier if you're looking for more tips. For now, here's Duncan to summarize key takeaways from today's show. Number one, you might have some emotional barriers that prevent you from delegating properly. So if you're struggling, start by asking yourself why that might be. Number two, remember that there's lots of value to delegating effectively. Ultimately, it means your business can make a bigger impact and it increases collaboration and trust amongst your team. And number three, you have to set up a thoughtful and structured process. Make clear what your expectations for the work you're delegating are and when you want to check in and provide feedback. That's it for today. If you have any ideas or feedback for us, get in touch at workshop at careermedia.co. Workshop is back in two weeks. But if you're looking for more useful insights before then, check out Courier's new podcast, Looking Up, which talks to small business owners from across the UK about how they're surviving and thriving during the pandemic. You can find Looking Up on your favorite podcast platform now. See you next time.